All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we are going to jump in, but before we do, uh, I think you all know Meredith. She is our guest for tonight. She is no longer in our youth group because she is in high school, uh, but she agreed to come and be our guest, so we're going to interview her and ask her really hard questions that she can't figure out. We're going to try to get her. Uh, but anyway, Meredith, if you can let us know uh, how Tell us how school's going for you so far, what you're doing school-wise, going to a building at home, what, you do, what are you doing, and then tell us your favorite cereal, and go. Okay, so school's going well. I chose to do um, in-person learning. We, so far, we haven't had to go into remote, but I think it's a lot of fun. I like high school a lot better than middle school, um, even though middle school is still a lot of fun. And... My favorite cereal definitely has to be Lucky Charms. Ooh, Lucky Charms. That's a good one. Very good. Okay, so everyone, you can check out this video. As you're watching the video, you can think about like what really sticks out to you, all right? Uh, there's a lot covered in this video. So um, Connor and I and Meredith, we'll, we'll chat about it a little bit at the end um, and try to make sense of it all. But like I said, there is a lot going on in the video. Uh, so, so give it your attention and um, we'll talk about it afterwards. So let me share the screen with you all. Boom. All right. All right. Can everyone see my screen? Should just be a white, just whiteness. Okay. And give me a thumbs up if you can hear it. The book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible and its storyline divides into two main parts. There's chapters 1 through 11 which tell the story of God and the whole world and then there's chapters 12 through 50 which zoom in and tell the story of God and just one man, Abraham, and then his family. And these two parts are connected by a hinge story at the beginning of chapter 12. And this design, it gives us a clue to how to understand the message of the book as a whole and how it introduces the story of the whole Bible. So the book begins with God taking the disorder and the darkness described in the second sentence of the Bible and God brings out of it order and beauty and goodness. He makes a world where life can flourish. And God makes these creatures called humans or Adam in Hebrew. He makes them in his image, which has to do with their role and purpose in God's world. So the humans are made to be reflections of God's character out into the world and they're appointed as God's representative to rule his world on his behalf, which in context means to harness all of its potential, to care for it, and make it a place where even more life can flourish. God blesses the humans. It's a key word in this book. And he gives them a garden, it's like a place from which they begin starting to build this new world. Now the key is that the humans have a choice about how they're going to go about building this world. And that's represented by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Up till now, God has provided and defined what is good and what is not good. But now God is giving the humans the dignity and the freedom of a choice. Are they going to trust God's definition of good and evil or are they going to seize autonomy and define good and evil for themselves? And the stakes are really high. To rebel against God is to embrace death because you're turning away from the giver of life himself. This is represented by the tree of life. 
And so in chapter 3, a, a mysterious figure, a snake, enters into the story. The snake's given no introduction other than it's a creature that God made. And it becomes clear that it's a creature in rebellion against God, and it wants to lead the humans into rebellion and their death. The snake tells a different story about the tree and the choice. It says that seizing the knowledge of good and evil are not going to bring death, that it's actually the way to life and becoming like God themselves. Now the irony of this is tragic because we know the humans, they're already like God. They were made to reflect God's image. But instead of trusting God, the humans seize autonomy. They take the knowledge of good and evil for themselves and in an instant, the whole story spirals out of control. The first casualty is human relationships. The man and the woman, they suddenly realize how vulnerable they are. Now they can't even trust each other. And so they make clothes and they hide their bodies from one another. The second casualty is that intimacy between God and the humans is lost. So they go and run and hide from God. And then when God finds them, they start this game of blame shifting about who rebelled first. Now right here the story stops and there's a series of short poems where God declares to the snake and then to the humans the tragic consequences of their actions. God first tells the snake that despite its apparent victory, it is destined for defeat to eat dust. God promises that one day a seed or a descendant will come from the woman who's going to deliver a lethal strike to the snake's head, which sounds like great news, but this victory is going to come with a cost because the snake too will deliver a lethal strike to the descendant's heel as it's being crushed. It's a very mysterious promise of this wounded victor. But in the flow of the story so far, you see this is an act of God's grace. The humans, they've just rebelled. And what does God do? He promises to rescue them. But this doesn't erase the consequences of the human's decision. So God informs them that now every aspect of their life together at home and out in the field, it's going to be fraught with grief and pain because of the rebellion, all leading to their death. From here, the story then spirals downward. Chapters 3 through 11, they trace the widening ripple effect of the rebellion and of human relationships fracturing at every level. So there's a story about two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain's so jealous of his brother that he wants to murder him. And God warns him not to give in to the temptation, but he does anyway. He murders him in the field. So Cain then goes on to build a city where violence and oppression reign. And this is all epitomized in the story of Lamech. He's the first man in the Bible to have more than one wife. He's accumulating them like property. And then he goes on to sing a short song about how he's more violent and vengeful than Cain ever was. After this, we get an odd story about the sons of God, which could refer to evil angelic beings, or it could refer to ancient kings who claimed that they descended from the gods. And like Lamech, they acquire as many wives as they wanted and they produce the Nephilim, these great warriors of old. Whichever view is right, the point is that humans are building kingdoms that fill God's world with violence and even more corruption. In response, we're told that God is broken with grief. Humanity is ruining his good world and they're ruining each other. And so out of a passion to protect the goodness of his world, he washes it clean of humanity's evil with a great flood. 
But he protects one blameless human, Noah, and his family, and he commissions him as a new Adam. He repeats the divine blessing and commissions him to go out into the world. And so our hopes are really high, but then Noah fails too, and also in a garden. He goes and he plants a vineyard, and he gets drunk out of his mind. And then one of his sons, Ham, does something shameful to his father in the tent. And so here we have our new Adam, naked and ashamed just like the first, and the downward spiral begins again. It all leads to the foundation of the city of Babylon. The people of ancient Mesopotamia, they come together around this new technology they have, the brick. And they can make cities and towers bigger and faster than anybody's ever done before. And they want to build a new kind of tower that will reach up to the gods and they will make a great name for themselves. It's an image of human rebellion and arrogance. It's the garden rebellion now writ large. And so God humbles their pride and scatters them. Now, this is a diverse group of stories, but you can see they're all exploring the same basic point. God keeps giving humans the chance to do the right thing with his world, and humans keep ruining it. These stories are making a claim that we live in a good world that we have turned bad, that we've all chosen to define good and evil for ourselves, and so we all contribute to this world of broken relationships, leading to conflict and violence and ultimately death. But there's hope. God promised that one day a descendant would come, the wounded victor who will defeat evil at its source. And so despite humanity's evil, God is determined to bless and rescue his world. And so the big question, of course, is what is God going to do? And the next story, The Hinge, offers the answer. But for now, that's what Genesis 1 through 11 is all about. All right, so there was a lot there, and you don't have to memorize every little piece of that story. But I'm just curious to know, Meredith, was there anything uh, about that video that we just watched that stuck out to you that just captured your eye or your ears? Um, I think that what stuck out to me was when every single situation that God had given the people to make a good choice in they chose the wrong choice or did something bad yeah yeah i feel you why do you why do you think that is it's they make the case that you know us humans we keep messing things up why do you well first do you agree with that and if so why 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 do you think that is do i agree with what sorry i couldn't hear you yeah do you agree that humans keep messing things up yeah, I do agree that with that. And I think that, did you ask why they do that? Yeah, why do you think we keep messing things up? I think we keep messing things up because God made us imperfect and everyone's going to sin and do something wrong in their life. But if you come back to God and you um, live for God, then he will forgive your sins and you can live a life with him. Cool. Mr. Connor, do you have any thoughts on why you think we keep, well, do you think we keep messing things up as humans? I do. And I don't think it's always intentional. Um, yeah. You know, the Bible tells us that no sin is worse uh, or greater than the other. So um, 
you know, I think that there are habits that some of us develop over our life, even as simple as telling white lies, um, you know, or doing things that maybe aren't the right choice to make things easier on ourselves. And I don't think we're always good at looking in the future and trying to learn, um, trying to figure out what the long-term plan is. And I don't think we're good at learning from the past. And if you guys remember from social studies, you know, world wars, all of these things that we see happening now and that we've seen happened in the past, it's never the first time. You know, these conflicts that we see, they've happened before. And we just, I think we need to get better at learning from them. Yeah, no doubt. Well said. So I'm curious to know what you all think. Uh, you know, th- this is, learning about God and spirituality and these things, this isn't like math where it's like two plus two is four. That is the answer. You know, th- this is a more of an experience. We're experiencing these things. We're thinking about, you know, wh- what do we think about them? And so everyone brings their own experience and their own thoughts to the table. So you can either say it out loud or in the chat, you can put it in the chat. What do you think? Do you think humans keep messing things up? Yes or no? Let's do a little poll here and see what you think. So just chat in yes or no, or you can unmute yourself and say yes or no. See who's going to win the yes. Oh, yes. De- oh, Will says definitely. Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. All right. It's an unanimous. We think we keep messing things up. So then the next question on my mind is what can help us not mess things up so much? So Meredith, is there something in your life that helps you, you know, follow God, helps you do the right thing? Yeah, I definitely think my family and friends help me follow God because they do too. And whenever I feel like I might be making a bad decision, I can always turn to them for advice and they always help me to, well, usually they help me to make the right decision. Cool. Thank you. And I'm going to ask Connor the same question, but as I ask Connor, you can be thinking about that answer for you. You know, what helps you do the right thing in life? All right. Think about it. And when you have the answer, you can just put it in the chat as well. So Mr. Connor, how about you? Like what helps you do the right thing? Uh, so one thing is uh, reading my Bible regularly. Um, just for me personally, I always feel more centered and calm when that's regular. Um, but also being around, like Meredith said, people that believe similar to me. Um, and part of that is attending church regularly or like church functions. And I always find that um, like right now during quarantine, um, a couple times when you do get involved, when I have been more involved, I. Uh, I don't know. I just, it just feels different when I go a long time without maybe attending church um, or being able to talk to people from, from church and from, from our group. It just feels um, I don't know, like I'm more disconnected. And when I feel more disconnected, I feel like it's easier for me to maybe justify the wrong decisions. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well said. So some of the, the answers uh, in the chat. So if you know what helps you follow God, what helps you do the right thing? Just type it down in the chat. Um, like Meredith says, family helps me make correct decisions. My parents and friends, that's a good one. Something that helps me do the right thing are my family, good, and friends and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, there's that that presence, like God is with us, you know, when we're about to do the wrong thing or whatever a lot of times there is that presence, God's presence that says, don't do this. You know, this is not, not good. So that's a great answer. Uh, you can continue to put those into the chat. 
while I ask the next question, which is probably the most important question here. Um, Meredith, is cereal considered a soup? I think cereal is absolutely not considered a soup because the only right way to eat cereal is without milk. Wait, the, wait, 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 wait. You said the only You're correct... Wrong. Wait, wait, the only correct way to eat cereal is without milk? For sure. Oh, I don't know about this. Connor, weigh in, please. Nope. Cereal is designed to be eaten with milk. That's the point of cereal. And therefore, it's a soup because you eat it with a spoon. And it's in a liquid format. Uh, You're saying yogurt is soup because you eat it with a spoon? Wait, wait. Did you hear the last piece? And it's in a liquid format. Now, if you want to water down your yogurt and eat it in a soup-like format, that is up to you. But yogurt is more gelatinous, so that makes it not soup. So Water it down and sure. Wait, did, hold on. Did you just use the word gelatinous? I did. <laughs> That's, I don't think I've ever heard that word. <laughs> did you make up that word? Is that a word? The more you know. The more it you know. is a word. So, Connor, are you, are you saying that cereal is a soup? 100%. All right. Let us know. Do you think cereal soup. is cereal a soup? Yes or no? Put it in the chat or unmute yourself. And let, yes. Will, yes. What, Alicia says no. It is not. <laughs> Don't boo, Alicia. No. Ellie says no, absolutely not. Uh, Shane and Grace say yes. I think they're un- united on that front. So how many, what, what is that? No. It's disgusting, it's disgusting with, milk. with milk. Angelina, are you serious? <laughs> it's so good. So do you with guys milk. just eat it dry, like with your hand? Yeah, that's what they do. All right, so let's let's count here. We have um, one, two. Yep, the yeses have it. It is a soup. There you go. Actually, I didn't count, but I think it's a soup. I'm considering it a soup myself. So the next time you don't know what to eat for dinner, your parents don't know, just say, let's have soup. And they say, what kind? Say cereal. And they'll look at you crazy. <laughs> Ellie says, OMG, no, it's not. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? All right. So your challenge this week is to think about, you can look in that chat. Uh, you all gave great answers about what helps you do the right thing in life. Take a look at some of those answers. Pick one, maybe pick one that you haven't thought of before and try it this week. All right. So um, you know, parents and friends, like be looking for it, be looking for your parents and friends that give you good advice, you know, this week. Um, someone said, go to church. Obviously we're not going to church as much now, but like, I will send you a text message with a scripture or like a, a, an encouraging word. You can do that with your friends. You can send me a message and it can be as if we're in church, encouraging each other, just doing it through text. Uh, so think about one thing that helps you do the right thing in life. And, and try to do it this week and try to do it often this week, okay? So that's our challenge. And then if you do that and you come back next week and want to share how that went, uh, you can do that. Uh, all of you that said that cereal is not a soup, you can realize that it is and come back next week and share, you know, your conversion over to cereal is a soup. So we'll be waiting for that. <laughs> we'll be waiting for that conversion, okay? Uh, and finally, last thing I want to share with you all is that Um, some of us are very weary about going outside. Like some of us are staying home at all costs doing, you know, um, school at home, virtual school. Some of us are kind of tipping our toes into getting back into things. 
So the church um, at PCW is hosting uh, church services at six o'clock on Sunday night. So in seven minutes uh, outside. So it's going to be social distancing and all of that. So if you want to check that out and that's okay with your parents, you can come and check that out um, every Sunday for the next like month or so. Uh, Connor, is there anything ANHT is doing that you'd like to share with us? Um, we have our vestry meeting tomorrow night to sort of finalize plans. So once we have that meeting, I will let you all know what our plans are for the rest of fall. Hopefully COVID goes away. And part of that is starting to see each other in person, but Very until good. we can, we'll figure cool. it out. Cool. And if you all have anything that you want to share with us, just text us, message us and, and let us know. Okay. Uh, is there anything else? Anything want, Anything that anyone wants to say before we go? I'm going to zoom outside and check out the, the live service. Okay. Well, it's good to see you all. Good luck this week. God bless you. Hope you find those ways to follow God and not mess things up so much uh, and uh, follow God in that way. We'll see you next uh, week at the same time, 530. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.